Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. <laughs> Sometimes, if we wouldn't just get used to dealing with the sickness or the infirmity, God's still a miracle worker. He's still in the miracle working business. He said, you have not, because we ask not. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. What a God, what a God, what a God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, you're a good God. You're a good God. You're a good God. Praise the Lord. What a privilege to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Nothing like Wednesday night light for living. Amen. It's done been mentioned, but I'll repeat it. Be in prayer for brother and sister Boyd. Uh, they need a touch from God. I believe he is touching. I believe he is touching. Amen. Go with me to the book of Leviticus. Chapter 26, Leviticus chapter 26, how many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. They sing that song sometimes, no place, no place I'd rather be. And when you pause long enough to just really pay attention to those words, that, that is so true. Amen. Leviticus 26 and 21, if you have it, say amen. And if you walk contrary unto me and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. Go with me to 23. And if ye will not be reformed by me by these things, but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you, and will punish you yet seven times for your sins. And if you will not, for all this hearken unto me, this is verse 27, and if you will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And move with me to verse 40. And if they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers with their trespasses which they trespassed against me, and that also that they have walked contrary unto me, and that I also have walked contrary unto them and have brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised hearts be humbled, and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity. Father, I love you, and I'm so eternally grateful for the privilege to be in this house. God, I'm just asking for the next few minutes, Lord, that you clear our heart, 
You clear our mind and open our eyes to the understanding and the revelation of the Word of God. We've come here with purpose and intent, God, and that's to receive something from you tonight. And God, I don't want to let things interfere. I don't want to let things get in the way, so I bind every spirit in the name of Jesus Christ that may interfere with the Word that goes forth from this desk tonight. Because you have an agenda, Lord, and I want to be sure that I'm paying close attention to what you would speak into my life. In the name of Jesus Christ and the whole house said amen. Before you're seated, turn to your neighbor and tell him how good it is to see him tonight. Praise the Lord. We are Creatures of habit, we live repetitiously for the most part from the moment that we wake up in the morning uh, until we go to bed at night. We, re- we repeat the same routine over and over. I, at least I think we do. I'm not the only one that's so automated that I get up every morning and do the same thing first, and that's brush my teeth. And then I have a routine that I follow every morning. My wife pays close attention to see that I, I never break that routine. And, but we repeat this routine seven days a week, every morning, every evening. What's more is, in these routines, we have routine things that we like to use. I like arm and hammer with baking soda toothpaste. I like Irish spring. I don't want close up and I don't want aqua fresh. We have routines. We have things that we want. I feel like I'm the only one out here on this island that's in routine. Is anybody, is anybody in here have some habits? But we also tend to say the same things every morning. We're, we're a creature of habit. Mine every morning is good morning, sweetheart. For some of you, it's get up, kids. It's time to get dressed or, or there's different things that we say when we go to work, we, we, we greet our boss, we say hello boss, we say hello friend or hello to the bus driver. Over and over and over we repeat the same things because we're creatures of habit. Now mine are different than yours and yours are different than mine, but we all have a, a particular thing in our life that we draw close to or, or a thing that we're always following. There's a path that we like to stay on and we don't like to veer to the left or to the right. Studies show that half of the decisions that you and I make every day are shaped by habit. Rather than deliberately choosing our action, habits make our decisions for us. You like Starbucks, so it's a habit you go to Starbucks every morning. You like a particular gas pump, pump number four, because it pumps a little bit faster. So you'll wait in line at the S&S for pump number four. We all have habits or things that shape and form us. And some of these habits are good habits. It's a good habit to be concerned about your, your hygiene. It's a good habit to, to comb your hair. And it's, it's, some habits are good. It's good to have a prayer life. It's good to have a habit of reading the Word of God. And then we develop bad habits. We can, we can get caught up in some habits that's, that's not becoming of us. I have many bad habits that I consistently try to work on every day. I, I, bad about leaving the dishes on the counter. I'm bad about leaving a blue shop rag in my pocket and then Jennifer washes it and that rag comes apart and it goes everywhere. And that little 12 by 12 at the end, it looks like she stuck the whole roll in there. 
and she spends hours picking it out. We have habits that that we would like to dismiss from our life, and we really don't think about them. We just do them. They become automatic. They become somewhat even robotic. And However, there are many activities we do every day that should not become so automated. For the most part in this house this evening, every one of us has family. If not biological family, we have this church family, and it's it's a blessing to say good morning to your wife or to your spouse or to your husband. It's it's a blessing to to before you go to bed say good night, honey. This is and this is one area we've got to be conscious of not to be so automated about. You know, as men I think it's important and over the last couple of years I've been trying really hard not to answer my wife with the same old phrase when she talks to me. You know, hey babe, what babe or, or when she calls him a name, what, do what, huh? But sometimes I try to answer with some kindness. I'm not always accessible. But sometimes, man, you got to slide out there on a limb. And when she calls you by name, said good morning, or, or you reply to her, what can I do for you, you divine angel that heaven has sent to me? And if we will break it up a little bit, break up the monotony, sometimes we'll find that things go, things will go a little better in our house. Our communications with our loved ones should be authentic. It should be real. And it should be heartfelt every single time we speak to them. It shouldn't become so casual and habitual that we don't really think about what we're saying. And the same is true in the church. We can come to church for weeks and weeks without really having a heartfelt conversation with one another. Most of the time, we just say, how are you doing? How's work? We men, we may talk about sports or hunting, and the ladies may talk about the kids and shopping, but we, we switch into that automatic mode, and we can't help ourselves because it's a habit. We talk about the same things over and over again, and it becomes routine and automated and, and sometimes monotonous. And if we're not careful, our relationship with each other becomes superficial. And I'll be very frank with you tonight. I don't want a superficial relationship with you. I want something that's real and it's heartfelt because I depend on you. I, I depend on this church. When, when, when these cards come across this desk and it may be my name or my family's name, I want to know that I have an intimate relationship with somebody in here that I can trust. I know brother, I know brother Donnie's praying for me. I know sister Cricket's praying for my family. I, I know things are taking place because I have a relationship of something that's real with the people of God. And the real problem with developing bad habits, and we all know this in life, and I'm not uh, preaching anything new, but I'm just trying to remind us this evening. The real problem is that we can take this lack of authenticity in our relationship with Jesus. How do you think God feels when we continually say the same thing over and over again? And that's the danger that I want to talk about this evening because it has happened to me before. And I don't say that arrogantly or, or in, a, in, a, in a bragging manner. But I, I've been in a place where you go through the motions and you, you just say the same prayer over and over. And there's really no heartfelt emotion in it. And without even thinking, our communication with God becomes routine. It's just something we do. It's casual. We really don't put a lot into it. We just say the same things over and over to God. And I, I know this is not popular, but I'm asking you to please stay with me just for a minute. If our church services are not real every time that we come here, we've got a serious problem. If we're not real before God every time we pray, 
We've got a problem. You see, God has a certain way that He operates. God only extends Himself to you and I in a manner that we extend ourselves to Him. We will only get out of this service what we put into it. If you're going to be casual with God, God is going to be casual with you. Would you give me Second Samuel 14? Let me say this again. We will only get out of this service or any service for that matter. You'll only get out of your walk with God what you put into it. See, we can come in here and we can sit out on the pew and we can say, God, I've come into this house and I'm sick. You see what's wrong with me? I'm here. Now what are you going to do? Or we can come here with the attitude of, I need to feel a touch from the Lord tonight, God, so I'll sit here and wait on that touch. But see, that's not how God operates. God, God moves when we invite the Spirit. Did you, do you have that? David danced before the Lord. Now, I know what the Scripture says, and I'm not trying to bring something new, but I want us to think about this. David danced before the Lord. We would read that or understand that to mean that David was dancing before the Lord. The Lord was responding. The Lord was looking down on him. But what if, what if in this scenario or this situation, the Ark of the Covenant is coming behind David. David's bringing it back to Jerusalem. And the scripture says, and David danced before the Lord. Could it be that David said, you know what, God, before we bring you in here, we want to create an atmosphere that you would want to be a part of. So David danced before the Lord. Before the Lord got there, David began to dance and he began to give praise and adoration. And then when when David does this, that's when God can begin to bless the children of Israel. The text that I I've read or opened with is somewhat unpopular and a little different, but it illustrates what I'm talking about. And I didn't share the entire story of the text uh, for the sake of time, but let me just simply bring us up to speed. This is recorded just after God had given the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. This was the beginning of the law of Moses. And the word I want to talk about it was pretty obvious, and that word is contrary. And I'm just going to preach tonight from the title of the danger of a contrary walk. The danger of a contrary walk. One of the ancient Hebrew rules for interpreting Scripture states, any word that is repeated exactly seven times in a passage becomes the most important concept in that text. Contrary is repeated exactly seven times in the text that we read this evening. God said, if Israel walks contrary to me, then I'm going to walk contrary to them. God really wanted them to understand what he was trying to say. And in the English language... Contrary means in a manner opposite to what is expected. So if you and I were to apply that English definition tonight in in the words of God, God might say it's something like this. If Israel is going to walk in a manner opposite of what I expect, then I'm going to do opposite of what Israel's expecting. But we could get a gain a clearer picture from a Hebrew translation. The Hebrew word for contrary is carry, K-E-R-I, and it means to be casual random and mindless about something. Everybody say that. Say casual, random, mindless. I want us to remember those. What God was saying to Moses was, if Israel is going to treat my laws in a casual way, then I'm going to treat Israel in a casual way. 
If Israel is going to randomly obey my laws, and I'm going to randomly hear the prayers of Israel. And if Israel is not going to think about my word and consider about my word, then I, I'm not going to really consider what Israel would say to me. And God wanted Israel to know from the very outset of the law that he would only extend himself to them in a manner that Israel extended themselves to him. It really, really matters. And there is so much truth when the psalmist said, enter into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. It matters how we come to church. It matters how we respond to God. We shouldn't wait till somebody else moves or, or, or feels the Spirit. If you, if you want to feel the Spirit of God right out of the gate and would, another, would rather not wait till the altar call, then right out of the gate start worshiping God. Right out of the gate, start giving praise and adoration to God. And then He's able to move in us. God wanted Israel to know this. And He wanted them to know that if, if they were going to be in a real relationship with Him, if they really was going to get what God had intended for them to be, they had to have some purpose and some intent about the way they carried themselves and about the way they conducted themselves in their relationship with God. Israel would learn to read the law of Moses four times every day. It would become a habit to them. It would become so automated that they would even have to think about it. This would cause the law to become so familiar to them that they would begin to treat it in a casual and thoughtless way. So God had to remind Israel, you're you're only going to get out of this what you put into it. And if you're casual about it, it's not going to work. If you're going to be random about it, It's not going to work. If you're going to be mindless about it, this deal between me and you is not going to work. And if you read the entire 26th chapter of Leviticus, God tells Israel exactly what He will do for them, the many blessings that He will pour out on them if they respond in the manner that He requires. However, in that same 26th chapter, He also informs them what will take place. If they don't do what he's requiring of them. And it's, if you read the 26th chapter, you'll see it's not a pretty scene. And there is both salvation and judgment in this chapter. And please hear me when I say this, as unpopular as it is, and, and people don't want to discuss it, and, but I, I say that apostolics need to be talking about it. We need to be shouting it from the rooftop. God is coming back, and he's coming back to judge. I'm for grace. I'm for mercy. Thank God for grace. But there's coming a day and time where grace won't, won't be here. It's going to be the judgment of God. And if we don't understand how important that judgment is going to be. See, people's go contrary to the popular belief of the world. There's people going to hell. There's people going to hell, brother. I find nowhere. I find nowhere where they change the dimensions of heaven in the Bible. We're given some dimensions of heaven. But you do find where hell hath enlarged herself because there's so much wickedness and so much evil. And there's some people that's going to spend an eternity in hell and you and I have got an obligation to stand high atop a mountain and say, listen here, there's, there's a way you don't have to go down this road. There's, there's a way to get around this. There's a way to avoid this. And that's the plan of salvation. That's this altar of repentance. That's this baptismal pool and that's being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. And we gotta make sure, sure, ladies and gentlemen, that we're real with, real with Jesus. We need to make sure I don't want to just go through the motions. I want to experience the power. We don't, 
we, we, we need to think about every prayer and we got to get real and get intentional with our walk with God because we're living in the generation of the return of Jesus Christ. I wholeheartedly believe that. And we will only get out of this what we put into it. I said we will only get out of this what we will put into it. Don't, somebody help me now. If you, if we want our outreach to grow and if we want it to be more than what it is now, outreach team, we're going to have to fast a little more. We're going to have to set aside some intentional prayer. Brother Chris, if you want the inreach to move and grow, we're going to have to get intentional about it. We got to do some things. If we want to see our youth group be on fire for God, youth leaders, there's some things we've got to do. We've got to push forward a little bit. We're only going to get out of this. What we put into this. There's some things that's relegated to you and I that we've got to do. We've got to move to see God move. I want to share just another story, if I may, from the book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 3. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is also, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Go with me to verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Listen to this now. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man, beast, creeping thing, fowl of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them but Noah. Noah found grace. Noah found grace. Matthew 24, 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. That sounds mighty familiar to where we're at today. That, that, that looks very, very similar to what we're experiencing today. You see, the Bible describes a lot of similarities between Noah's time and the time of the return of Jesus Christ. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of God. Wickedness, evil, partying, carrying on. What's changed? Look around us. I'm telling you, we're in these days. We're living in the generation of the return. We are living in a generation that is eerily similar to Noah's. In Noah's generation, just as today, God was looking for people to extend grace to. And the Bible says that Noah found that grace. And in Noah's generation, just as today, anybody could come to God. In Noah's day, just as today, there was an open door to God. But it was only Noah and his family who would put forth the effort to serve God. For hundreds of years the door was open. For hundreds of years God's grace was available. And finally God looked across the earth and saw this wickedness, this evil. It upset God. It hurt God. The Bible says that it grieved. The Hebrew definition for grieve states that God had worry and great pain in his heart. Hebrew also gives another definition of grieved. It's anger. God was angered. Just as in Noah's generation, God's grace is available today. 
But if we interpret this scripture correctly, we've got to also say that in Noah's generation, the heart of God was grieved. The heart of God is angry. And I believe with all my heart today that God's grieved and He's beginning to approach that anger stage. God's heart is grieved for the same reason it was grieved in Noah's day. And when God looks across this earth, He sees wickedness and evil. People say they believe in God, but their actions don't show it. We're living in a day where there's more Christianity than even can be imagined. You can put a cross around your neck and you're heaven bound. I, I, I don't understand. It blows my mind how the Bible can be so misinterpreted. Except a man be born of water and spirit. He cannot. Not maybe not. He cannot. And ladies and gentlemen, more than ever, we've got to stand, stand, stand. The devil is trying to chip away at this apostolic faith. He's using every tool, every device to get his fingers inside of the church and turn us against one another, trying to turn us against doctrine. And it's now more than ever, we've got to be careful. There's a danger in a contrary walk. We've got to be intentional about what we do. We've got to make sure that every day in that prayer, we're serious with God about what we do. Hallelujah. People are casual, they're random and thoughtless about God. So God is grieved. And I'm going to ask our musicians to come. In God's heart, there is worry for mankind. God's worried about us. He's concerned about us and His heart hurts for us. God don't want us to perish. God don't want, God don't want to see us spend an eternity in hell. And He's given us the privilege. We're called out every day when I look around, when I drive down the street or the road. And you see all these people, you go to a mall or or a place like that, and you look around and you say, Why me, God? Why? I don't understand why you chose me. Separated me. Pulled me out. This is a privilege. This is a privilege. Don't ever let this become cumbersome. Don't, don't ever let this become routine. Don't ever let this, well, this is what I've always done was go to church on Sunday morning, so I'll go this Sunday morning. My God in heaven, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get up every day with purpose and intent and, to what, and ask the question, God, what can I do in your kingdom today? What can I do for you? If I'm going to be truthful, there's anger in God's heart. Just as it was in the days of Noah. There came a point in Noah's generation where God's anger caused him to pull away from man. And that's why God said that my spirit will not always strive with man. So God reached a point where he pulled back his grace, he pulled back his mercy, and he withdrew his spirit. And God's anger was released upon this earth in the form of a flood, as was in the days of Noah. So shall it be. And today there is an open door before you and I that God is going to soon close that door. Grace, it's, it's available today. Mercy's available today. God's Spirit, the Holy Ghost is available today.
There is an open door that every person that can walk through if they'll make that effort. And I think what God wants to know about you and I more than anything else, are we willing to make that effort? Are we willing to be serious day in and day out about our relationship with Him? Will we be real with God or will we be casual, random, and mindless? Will we just walk a contrary walk with Him? What bothers God about us is that sometimes we get so casual about Him that we think that the door will always be open. I'll pray tomorrow. I'm going to start that Bible reading tomorrow. Maybe next week, I might check into giving a home Bible study to somebody. Next month, I'm going to talk with one of our leaders about perhaps joining something in the church. Be a part of something going on in the church. But I'm telling you today, the door's closing. And he's looking for people that are real. He's looking for people. I've... I'm trying to develop a concept in my life, and I don't mean to be too transparent here. And I don't want this to come across as doom and gloom, and because that is not me. If you know me, you know that's not me. But I've purposed in my heart that every morning that I kneel down and pray, that this might be the last time I get to pray. So I want it to count I don't want to go through the motions and say the same old thing to God. But I want to say something to Him that matters. I want to say something to Him that moves Him. And oh, when He's moved, He pours His Spirit out upon me. we got to pray. we got to see. The time is short and we've got to seize the opportunity. I don't want to be careless in my walk with God and I don't want to be contrary. But when hard times come when trials come if you're walking contrary you're probably not going to make it you're probably going to fall by the wayside but if you're real if you're real about your relationship with God when those hard times oh they hurt They tear us apart. But at the end of the day, we know that He's still God. And He still sits on a throne. I love my favorite character in the Bible is Joshua. Joshua stands in the valley. He's in a battle with the Amalekites. Moses is upon the mountain. He has Aaron and Hur. You all know the story. When Moses gets weak, his hands fall and they begin to lose the battle. But if you study your Bible, I read where the Scripture says, Brother Rayleigh, in the book of Exodus, that Joshua discomfited the Amalekites. What that means in our term is even when he was being overtaken, because he did not walk contrary, because he had paid attention to that Levitical law, and he understood what God was saying, that if you walk contrary with me, then in hard times I may not be there when you need me. But see, Joshua had something real with God. And even when the time seemed to overtake him, he just kept on. 
He just kept on. And at the end of the day, when the battle was, when the dust settled and the battle was over, I know what the Bible says. I know that because Moses and the power of God, he held his hands up, I know what it says. But there had to be a man in the valley that said, I don't care. If it gets too tough, I'm I'm not running, I'm staying. And he was able to stay. Would you stand across this house with me? I wonder tonight if we would make our way to this altar. You know, sometimes, sometimes the enemy has a unique way of telling us that it's all right if we're just average or mediocre Christians. But I stand before you today and tell you that that's not biblical. That's that's another message for another time. But it's not alright to be just an average Christian. He said we're called out. We're separated. We're peculiar. And we've got a responsibility in this day and this age. Not only to walk right. But we've got a responsibility, ladies and gentlemen, to share this truth. To share this truth. Would you lift your hands across this house? God in heaven. Oh God in heaven. How we need you. God I want to pay close attention. I want to pay close attention God. At how I'm living my life. God I want to make sure. That every day counts for you. God it matters. It matters. Help us today, God. Help us today, God. Hallelujah. 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 This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.